did not have a lot of uh, light or pyrotechnics. He said he would bring them, but I'm guessing it's just it'll it'll come eventually with the message. But uh, we're just great to, grateful for him to be here and thankful for this ministry. And I know it will be encouraging to you, inspiring. And so, without further ado, I'd like you to clap your hands in honor of this great man of God. Let's do that joyfully to the Lord together. Close your eyes and lift your head unto heaven. And lift your voice. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, men. Lift your voice. Lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Somebody shout yes. Oh, let's do that a little bit longer. He inhabits the praise of his people. Come on, let's. didn't have to come, but you made up your mind. You got dressed on a Saturday morning, broke the routine of whatever it normally happens, and you came to the house of the Lord. And after seeing the promotional picture, I'm honored you're here today. That's one ugly son of a mug right there, I can tell you right now. But I'm glad. Keep playing. That's good mute music. Didn't these guys do a great job leading the worship today? But that's a man that can toot his own horn right there. I enjoyed that. And I just want to take a couple of moments and just share with you very quickly before I, before I speak. Um, one might wonder... What is the difference, you know, of a men's ministry as compared to youth ministries and children's ministries and ladies' ministries and music? Well, here's the answer that we have developed. Men's ministry, everybody say, that's me, is the active pursuit of men in order to connect them to God, to His Word, and to other men for the purpose of winning, growing, and training God's man in Jesus Christ. And we know one thing is for sure. God is ready to use the heart and life of every man that makes themselves available to him. And I believe that we're living in the greatest hour of the church, and we are positioned with the greatest opportunity to invest in our world in our nation, but most importantly, in the local man right here in your district. And I believe that's why you're here today. You want to become a better man. Isn't that right? So I I am honored to be here. And um, I have a beautiful wife and a seven-year-old boy. And I have an expecting wife. It's a miracle. Um, A lot of times we get to travel and preach places and we kind of feel a vibe every now and then and 
That's just to share our story. And I'm going to do that a little bit today. Because I want to be a real man preaching to real men. I don't have any show. I don't have any pyrotechnics. I can give you one of these later on like that picture maybe. But we'll just, we'll just see what happens. And I want to say how much I appreciate your men's director, Travis Carter, for connecting and allowing me to come. And district superintendent and secretary and all the great men, all the pastors that are here today, we honor you. Let's clap our hands together one more time for everybody being in the house of the Lord today. Why don't we lift our hands and pray that God will help us for the next few moments. We love you, Jesus. Heaven, Lord, stands in attention when we call your name. And we believe today that you're going to do something powerful in this house. Help our hearts, our minds. Let us leave your challenge, change, transformed by your word. And we give you the thanks for it. In the wonderful, matchless, omnipotent, powerful, mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And every man of God shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. On the outset of today's word, I just want to request simply of your attention as I envision the life of one man living in the tombs. And in doing so, share what I feel God would have for you today. So let's make a deal. I'll share what I feel is needed, and I'll let you do with it what you want. Is that a good deal? I'll just drop off the word, and you do with what you need to do with it. Everybody say, one day. day. Shout it, "One one day. He changed. Everything shifted in his world. No one really exactly knew what happened. I'm sure there was a lot going on. Maybe it was friends and family that struggled with his new life and perhaps this father, this friend, this husband, great citizen was not the same man anymore. Perhaps we wondered what caused the change. Was it an alcohol addiction? Was it his violent, raging temper? Was it his hate towards life? Pretty confident that nobody could really figure out what the problem was was they could not find what the spirits were that drove him away those that were on the outside looking in would never understand how he could sell his soul to the minions of darkness the person that lived with a lack of self-control driven by bad behavior led him to compromise beliefs and live in the darkness of hell costing everything his life his family his loved ones his friends. It was all gone. And after that terrible day when he changed, he lived his life around the tombs. He was the wild man that nobody could bind. He was the image of evil wearing the skin of man. Everyone was scared of him. No one cared for him anymore. And if he ever attempted to go back into civilization, well, quite frankly, back into the village that he once loved, they would come with their torches and their chains and they would drive him away. You know the story. They would chase him back to the hills, back to the graveyard where he hid among the tombs. 
He made his home with the dead because that's what he was, a dead man walking. Are you still with me this morning? No future, it seemed, no hopes, no dreams, not even one mere coherent thought about what tomorrow might bring. He hid in the mountains among the tombs, and through the long nights and suffering days, he would scream his frustrations, crying as he cut himself with stones, and he was as dead as you could get. He had no hope left. He had no dreams of a better life. There was only the continuous presence of an oppressing darkness. He hated everything, everyone, but none so much as he hated himself, who had become and where he had ended up and how his life turned out. He found himself with no power to stop it. He had no resolve to change it, no way to fix it. But then one day it all changed, and that's the day that Jesus came to town. He saw Jesus standing off in the distance, and when he saw him, he felt the undeniable presence of fear, though, that ran through the demons that were living inside of him. And somewhere deep within his lost humanity, he recognized this Jesus. Somewhere in the back of his mind and his heart, he understood that Jesus had all of the answers. And he realized that Jesus Christ was the absolute greatest thing that has ever come into contact. Something that's greater than darkness that bound him. And in one moment, a bright light of hope cut through the darkness and something stirred within him. Something was touched that hadn't been felt in a long time. This man living in the tombs felt hope again. The Bible tells us that he ran, though. He ran like a madman obsessed. He ran with a purpose. He ran to where Jesus was and threw himself at his feet to worship him. Yet even then, at that moment, the demons inside struggled to control him. When he would have said words of praise, the darkness of hell came out of his mouth and cried, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. He struggled with himself to take control, worshiping this Jesus. But it was a lost battle because he lost his soul. And no doubt there was anguish on the inside, but then it happened. He heard a voice that spoke with heavenly thunder. He felt demons tremble as the voice of the maker of heaven and the earth said, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And the devils within him attempted to question the master. Let us enter the swine on the hillside. In a fast moment, it was spoken and it was done. Let me just tell you, gentlemen of God, the reason why this man ran to Jesus was because he recognized that when Jesus comes to town, so does my hope. So does my strength. So does my joy. So does my life. So does my deliverance. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. When Jesus comes to town. When Jesus comes to town, everything changes. It's that moment when the power of the Holy Ghost reaches you and it restores your joy. It heals your wounds. It delivers you from your bondage. And it does the miraculous when everything else says to run away. It says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Can I just pause this on Saturday morning to tell you I didn't come here to play games today. I didn't fly here on, on my own trip to come to New Jersey to sit here and just have a normal game. 
gathering for men. There are real problems in this house. The Holy Ghost has already given me a vision of. And there's addictions in this room today. Things that are keeping you bound. That demonic spirits inside of you are trying to tell you it's never going to get better. You're going to be a misfit. You're going to be a loser. I just want to tell you it's a lie. It's not God's will that we die in our sufferings. I think it would be a good time to lift our hands and say, Lord, have your way in this house right now, Jesus. Have your way in this house, Jesus. Have your way in this house, Jesus. I think it's appropriate for somebody to lift their voice right now. If you really want God to help you, come on, lift up praise unto Him right now, God. Do the work of your kingdom in this house right now. I don't say that to be rude. I don't try to promote that I'm here and, and this is the best thing since sliced bread. I don't have pyrotechnics. I just, I'm just operating the Holy Ghost today, if that's all right with you. Amen. It's not by my power, nor by my might, but by His Spirit that every heavy chain can be broken. And if, if this is too straightforward for you, then maybe you're not manly enough and you need to get the Holy Ghost. But we have enough limp-wristed, sissy-fied, yellow-spined men in our world that's trying to take a seat when we got to take a stand. I will not back down for what I believe. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all. Does anybody believe it through all? He better be in you all. And I just want to tell you that we need men to rise up and say, I refuse to be defined by the distractions that are in my life. If God be for me, who can be against me? You may be seated. When Jesus came to town, hear me, the old man died. I'm almost done, surprisingly so. I'm almost done with my notes, but not the anointing yet. So just hang on a minute. When he came to town, the old man died. When people came near and they saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus, they saw him clothed and in his what? Right mind. No longer sitting in the tombs, but sitting at Jesus' feet. No longer living among the dead, but living at Jesus' feet. No longer bound by demoniacs, but sitting at Jesus' feet. No longer an outcast, but sitting at Jesus' feet. No longer a menace to society, but sitting at Jesus' feet. No longer a strange man. No longer lonely. No matter what he was before Jesus, when Jesus came to town, he took away every tear from the eye. He wiped away every past mistake. He wiped away every shortcoming. He said, you're exactly what I've come for. Somebody who needs my glory. Today I preach to those who are alone and confused and abused and abandoned. Even this house, the Lord loves you today, men. And God sent me here to remind you, you are not alone. You don't have to live in prison anymore. You don't have to live in sin anymore. You don't have to live a broken life anymore. You don't have to live sick of the palsy anymore. There's a healer in the house right now. There is a God that wants to come down and meet you right where you are. He wants to deliver you from your addiction to pornography. Sir, He wants to deliver you from the negative thoughts that try to tell you suicide is the answer. I want to tell you, it's not the answer. It's not the right result. But the answer is come to Jesus. He's here right now. He wants to work in your behalf. 
Come on, I want to tell you right now, I feel a strong spirit that's trying to bring opposition against what I'm telling you. It is not true what the devil says about you. You are designed to be the head and not the tail. You are designed to be bold and powerful. Come on, after that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall receive power. Come on, you're getting it. I just need some men to agree with me and say, Preacher, I refuse to believe what hell says about me. I refuse to be what the enemy says about me. God is for me. God is on my side. Now let me break it down to where you are right now. 37 years old. I'll be 38 in just a few months. Got a beautiful wife at home. She's 30. I've known your business years. She's 34. We have a beautiful son. His name is London Isaac. But before we get to where we are right now, let me take you on a journey. So when I was two years old, my mother got into church. My mother is British, believe it or not, and they always like to have a spot of tea. I'm like, give me some coffee. My nana's like, I'll go get some tea. It's good red rose. I'm like, give me that crack in a cup. Give me a cup of coffee, you know. And uh, that was one of those stupid jokes that he and I laughed at and you didn't get over your head. I got it. We're good, bro. We're good. Dad jokes. But truth be told, my mother and father, when they got married, started off on the wrong foot. My mom didn't know God. My grandmother was in church, and her two sisters had already come to church. My mom and dad got married. They were both stoned on their wedding day. And a big fight broke out in the reception. And my grandfather, my dad's dad, said, get in the car, let's leave. We're not staying for this. They left. That's how my mother and father's marriage started. You with me? Are we good? I know that lunch is coming, and I'm the only thing between you and lunch. But this is the real good meat right here. I started playing drums in church when I was five years old. Five years old. Boy, my pastor's wife hated that. Because I was off beat a lot of times. I messed up. But she had some faith in me that I was going to get it. And I got it, finally. I reached the seventh grade. And it's when I really started putting pieces together that my dad had a terrible drug addiction. And I allowed some things to develop in my heart. I've always wanted to be a preacher. I always baptized my sister every Sunday night when we got home from church. If a preacher was there with a red Bible cover, guess what a red Bible cover the week after? Jason. If he had a brown one, I remember one time I cut my hair like the preacher. He was a bald guy. I thought it was so cool. <laughs> and my mom said, what would you do? I said, I just want that anointing. Hallelujah. You know, I just want that anointing. She's like, what's going on, dude? So long story short, mom and dad divorce. And it sends me in a whirlwind of an identity crisis. And I started developing some bad habits that weren't exactly godly. That a young man with the Holy Ghost should be doing. 
I'm not going to get into all the details. I don't think that's necessary to know. But I'll just tell you this. I started serving two masters. I was never demon-possessed. But there was a strong demonic oppression on my life. I had one foot in and one foot out. I was afraid to fall because I knew that would hurt. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Some of you are getting it. Come on, let's laugh a little bit. Laugh. Your marriage will be better if you laugh today. I promise. Your life could be better today if you just laugh. laugh. Made a fool of myself. And for 12 long years, I'm a high school dropout. I did quit to make ends meet for my family. My first job was at Taco Bell, working from 2.30 in the afternoon until 1 o'clock in the morning. I tried to go to Indiana Bible College. I had so many issues that I couldn't even survive Bible College. It wasn't until I was in Nashville, Tennessee, that God finally got my attention. I went through two bad relationships, and I was just so desperate for change. Pathological issues that I had to deal with was not brought upon myself by anything else except for myself. Because I began to realize that, you know what, the devil, he's right. I am going to be just like my father. I am going to be addicted to drugs. I am going to have a problem with finances. I am going to have issues with loving a wife. The devil is right. Something shifted, though, when Jesus came to town at the New Life Apostolic Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where God delivered me from being bound by the addictions of this world. Something got a hold of my spirit. It's when the preacher was preaching a sermon called Identity Crisis, and he said, There are people in this room, even right now, that are battling with life. And God wants to bring freedom to those that once lived free. See, I was backsliding my way to hell on an organ bench, playing the organ that Sunday morning. But I was conflicted in my spirit. It's when two worlds were about to collide. It was what God had planned for me and what the devil had planned for me. And that moment, as I was backing that preacher up on the organ, and it was a rocking service, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, like the brother over here could probably do. Ooh, it was going to town. You know what I'm talking about. I was feeling it. We was in the groove, going through the motions. When the old prophet by the name of Charles Scroggins walked over to me, and he said, young man, get off that organ now. And I said, yes, sir. And when he touched my hand and pulled me off that bench, something began to boil in my system. Man of God was grabbing my hand, and he said, come with me, and I can take you to where the place is behind the banister. The banister's gone now, but the platform was up three steps, and behind it was one more step where the choir would sing behind the banister. The organ was on this side, on the lower banister, but he brought me up front and center, right in front of the baptismal tank, and he turned me around. He said, you remember when you went down in Jesus' name? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you remember what happened? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you don't have to go in the water again. You just got to dive into the blood right now. And I said, tell me more. That was trembling. I'm just being real right now. This is, this is what we need. I've already preached my sermon. Now I'm going to minister to you if that's all right. 
The man of God got a hold of me and began to prophesy over my life and said, if you'll do this and do that, and if you'll make this change and make that change, then I will begin to see God do things in me that I've always wanted him to do. And let me just tell you something. I've never been the type of guy to get slain in the spirit. I've always sat back and went, man, that body hit hard. Man, that girl, like, whoo, her wig came off. is unbelievable. I was that guy on the drum set, man. Man, her body hit harder than this bass drum right now. Did you see him run like that? The reason is I never had that encounter. But all those years I made fun of it. God laid me flat out on my back like a pancake. And I began to speak in tongues. And I picked myself up three and a half hours later. And when I went down on that floor, it was the collision of two worlds. It was the moment. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When everything the devil told me was proven to me to be a lie. And everything that God has spoken to me was proven to be the absolute truth. And I want to tell you, God, that moment, after a 12-year battle of insecurities and 12 years of addiction and how these things that were in my life, I never was addicted to drugs. I never was addicted to alcohol or pornography. You know what my problem was? I couldn't tell the truth. Because I wanted somebody to be proud of me. And I wanted to be like everybody else in my family. I sat in my own bedroom looking at my uncle and my two cousins that as he spent his money buying them basketball hoops from his paycheck, my dad was strung out on the recliner from drugs because that's how he blew his paycheck. And I suddenly and slowly began to fade. But something got a hold of me. Jesus came to town. And he revolutionized my life. And now I stand here as a man of God. Some 13 years later. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I know it is the power of God and his salvation. I am a set free man. I am delivered from my past. And it's not my future. And you need to experience the same thing right now. Well, that's beautiful. That's great. But that's not where the story ends. Fast forward 20 years later. I'm evangelizing in Florida. My mom and dad have been divorced now. I was 13. And at the time, I was 33. And something interesting took place. I was in Florida, Palm Bay, where we lived at. And I went north about three hours to Jacksonville to preach one weekend there. And my uh, wife, who was with our boy, decided to stay back home because I was just preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and coming right back home on Monday. My mom sent me a text. And I, I usually don't check my phone. My, 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 my wife did, not my mom. My wife sent me a text. And I usually don't check my phone during church, especially if it's sitting on the pulpit. But her name popped up. And in the middle of, let's lift our hands and love the Lord, I hit that. I want to make sure everything's okay. And there was a picture that my wife had sent me, my brother. You know what it was? It was a picture of my dad sitting in the church that my mom was attending. My wife said, you'll never believe who's at church today. This is amazing. And my dad was there. And my home church, Travis, ran about 1,500 people at that time. It's what it is right now. And that's with two services. And the first service they were at was about 900 people in attendance, and Greg Goblin was preaching that day. And when he gave the invitation for people to come to the altar, out of all those people that ran to the altar, it was not an old-time saint. It was not a first-time guest. 
It was a man who lived among the tombs. My daddy got up and ran to that altar and threw his hands up. A man that had once been filled with the Holy Ghost. A man who was a fourth generation Pentecostal. A man who was bound by drugs and alcohol. He ran to that altar and he threw his hands up and he said, I can't live like this anymore. That was his exact words. I can't live like this anymore. I told my mom, I said, you got to tell dad to get baptized again. It's been too long. He needs to know what it feels like to be baptized. And by the time they got that text message out, they were praying my dad. Church was already dismissed. And so we began talking to my dad. And guess what happened, gentlemen? On January the 13th of 2015, I had the wonderful privilege of taking my dad to a baptismal tank and saying, Dad, upon the confession of your faith... And your obedience to the word of God. I do now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And I know he can refill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when my dad came out of the water, I tell you what, he was spitting water out, wiping off his face. He said, I'm free. After 20 years of living in the tombs, that's what happens when Jesus comes to town. That's not where the story ends. That's not where the story ends. My mom and dad started talking to each other again. That was a little weird. A little funky, to be honest with you. And so mom and dad begin to start talking to each other. And guess what happens? They start falling in love again. And unknown to my mother and my father, I had talked to my home church pastor. And he invited me to come down to Florida to help with the wedding ceremony. And in this October would be four years that my mom and dad had been remarried together again. December will be four years that my dad has not done any drugs. December will be four years that my dad has not had an alcoholic beverage. Oh, hallelujah. You got boys in your family that are addicted to drugs. You've got prodigals in your home, in your church, that the devil said, you might as well give up. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I say, get your hopes up. It's time for the prodigals to come home. It's time for lost loved ones to come back to God. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, listen, I'm almost finished. This is it. This is it. Three minutes and I'll be done, okay? Play so you can give them hope, young man. Play that keyboard. Let them know I'm fixing to wrap it up. Three minutes. It's 1237. I've been up here for 14, 24 already. Told you it's not long-winded. Feel the anointing in this room right now. Are we good? Just all right? My dad still battles with the addiction to cigarettes. But I'm cool with that. You are? There was a statement made at a funeral recently in Alexandria, Louisiana of a woman who was working in the recovery house for ladies that they have. I just told our brother about this a minute ago. Sister Mangan called, you know, the pastor's wife of the Alexandria Pentecostals. She said, Jamie, 
these girls are on the street corner at the edge of the house smoking cigarettes. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to get in my car and go down there and cut the cigarettes off right there so I can't smoke no more. No, that's not what happened. She said, Mick, how about we get the other smoke cleared out of their lives and then we'll worry about the cigarettes. See, that's classical Pentecostals. We try to get everything on the outside fixed. When it's not what they wear that separates them. It's how they live that separates them. That's why they all say, Jesus on the inside, working on, working on. Hey, look at your brother and say, you're a work in progress. You're, You're a work in progress. You know what? This is my life motto. And this is what I want you to leave here with today. If you're not dead, God's not done. Truth. Stand. I, um, I didn't plan on preaching this today. I told you I was going to preach last night. Let me wrap it up with this, okay? And I'm going to invite you to come around to this altar. And you might could just stand right there. It's big enough. It's good. Here's the problem that we men have. We like to lean on a crutch when we ought to learn to lean on a cross. My crutch was telling stories, telling untruths. My dad's crutch was crack and meth and all that junk that he was associated with. My dad today, I'm so proud of my father. I mean to tell you, I'm just so proud of my dad. He's the most perfect, unperfect man I've ever met. That's why we get along. Because I still have my flaws. I still have my glitches every now and then. But that's what God specializes in. If we were perfect, we would not even know who Jesus is. But the perfect lamb came for the blemished sheep of his pasture. There's an old, old story that my dad and I like to share. It's this simple story, Dad. The Bible talks about how they would take the perfect lambs and they would sacrifice them. And I always wondered what happened to the blemished lamb. You know what the answer is? They get to live. Somewhere in heaven, there's going to be a huge pasture of blemished people. Blemished men. Our warts, our ticks, our moles. Everything that's imperfect about us. God's going to stand up and say, hey, welcome home. Hey, buddy. Come check out the mansion I built for you. You know why you're here? Because you're exactly what I want you to be. Let me just tell you something. There's a heaven that's standing at attention right now to help us get from where we are now to where God really wants us to be. I want to be a man after God's own heart. I might stumble and I might fall, but you can rest assured I'm going to get back up and heed the call to be a man after God's own heart. 
Last part. You're right. Five minutes. This is my third closing. This is it. All right. My dad had diabetes out of control. Active hep C from all the needle sharing. His liver was at 24%. I don't know why they didn't say 25%, but 24% functionality because of all the alcohol abuse. And within one year of him getting baptized, being remarried to my mom, the doctor just gave him a report six weeks ago. Maybe six weeks ago. Your liver's just fine. There's no hep C in your body at all. I tell you what, I thank God for programs. I thank God for churches that are an avenue of deliverance. But I thank God there's power in the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Throw your hands in the heavens right now. Every man of God, lift your voice in this house and receive what the Lord would have for you right now. Come on, men of God, lift your voice right now and really dig in and receive something from God right now. Come on, sir, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're exactly where God wants you at today. He knows the thoughts He thinks towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Come on, mighty man of God, raise a praise unto Him right now. Here's what I want us to do. Here's what I want us to do. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to find a brother right now, somebody that you don't go to church with, somebody that you don't really talk to every day. And I want you to begin to let the gifts of the Spirit go to operation right now. Don't be foolish about it, but if God gives you a word, speak your lives. Come on, find somebody. The point of this meeting is to connect one with another. What a better opportunity than in the Holy Ghost right now to connect with your brothers and pray with them right now. Come on, find somebody and pray with them. Let the Word of God speak through you. Come on, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just lift your hands right where you are. Whatever you feel like you've got to do, I pray the release of the Holy Ghost upon the men of this district right now in the name of Jesus. men of God, lift your voice unto Him right now. Lift your voice unto Him right now.
That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Lift your voice right now. Lift your voice in this house.